this is another very special day, a very special time in the calendar of the church. This is a celebration of Pentecost Sunday. And I want to take just a moment at the very beginning of my message, before I actually preach my message this morning, I want to just give you a very simple biblical history lesson. Now, for many of you, you're already having flashbacks about being in history class. Uh, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to have a history lesson here. And I, Well, let, let me, I, I can empathize with you. I was never much as a history student. I did not enjoy history. I didn't, uh, history was a tough subject for me. It was nothing that came naturally for me. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, and my history class that I had there, you know, uh, I was kind of continue to get distracted in that history class. You see, right in front of me, sitting in front of me was a young lady, a, a blonde lady, very attractive, and she used to sit there in front of me. And for some reason, the history lesson that was being taught was continually being distracted by this lady sitting in front of me. And so I would do everything in my power to, to uh, you know, to get get her attention. You know, I would I would kind of poke her with my finger. I'd prod her. I'd kind of kick her under the desk. Uh, I'd do everything I can. Fortunately for me, that young lady finally became my wife. So I was very excited about that. <laughs> but... Why history becomes a thing that freaks me out a little bit was I'll never forget in that senior year, we were in class the one day and uh, we, she was sitting in front of me and the professor was expounding forth on some historical uh, thing that was taking place and was so vitally important to all of us. You know, it was vitally important to me and my future and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, um, what's more important for me and my future is that lady sitting in front of me that I'm going to try and get her attention. So I kind of stuck my foot under my desk and I reached out to where she was and all I really wanted to do was just give her a little tap. You know, but, you know, in, in those desks that we had back then, it was a desk that the seat kind of lifted up a little bit like that. Well, I kind of pushed on that seat, and it caused the seat to lift up, and then it came down, and guess what happened? It pinched her. Well, she let out this blood-curdling yell. I mean, at least she could have done was just a little bit of a yelp, maybe. But she let out this, 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 this blood-curdling yell, and of course it stopped the class in its tracks. That professor looked back and he said, you know, what was going on? And of course she turned and looked at me, and I was caught. And my prof- our, our history professor kind of said to me, he asked me if I would kindly leave the class. That's not exactly the way he put it. He said, Duncan, you're a second-class citizen out of my class. Back in those days they could do that kind of thing. So I was kicked out of the history class. So ever since then, history has not really been my favorite subject. But I want to give you a brief history lesson. This is the day of Pentecost. This is the celebration of the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the Greek name for a Jewish festival of weeks or festival of harvest that was a part of the Hebrew people right from the very beginning. It was 50 days, Pentecost means 50, 50 days after the Passover. And 50 days later, at this festival, there was a number of festivals that the Jewish uh, culture celebrated, and they still today as well. But on this day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, the, the city of Jerusalem, they came together to celebrate this harvest festival. Well, if you remember that Jesus became the Passover lamb, and he suffered and died on the cross, and we celebrate that as Easter. And he suffered and he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. And then he spent 40 days with his disciples, talking to them, sharing with them. And then finally came to the place right before he ascended into heaven. And he said to those disciples, he said, you know, he said, it's important that I go. It's important that I leave and and go back. Because 
My father, your father, has a promise that he's going to send. And he, I need to go so he can send that promise. And that promise is God the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come. Now I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I want you to gather together in Jerusalem and wait for the promise that the Father is going to send. So that group of disciples, 120 of them, got up in that upper room and they began to wait. I bet that first day was pretty simple. No, it should, it should be any minute. That promise should be any minute. Second day came by, the third day, 10 days later, then nothing had happened. But then on the 50th day, right at the time of Pentecost, and we read about it in some of the scriptures that you saw a few minutes ago, that on the day of Pentecost, it said that 120 people were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. There was tongues of fire that came down and sat on them. They began to speak in tongues. There was a power that was imparted to the people, the disciples on that day, that impacted their lives from that time forward. It says that Peter got up, a crowd of people gathered, and Peter got up and he preached. And 3,000 people, people that had gathered, 3,000 people were converted on that day. It was a harvest of souls that came into the kingdom of God because of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And you know what? Do you know what? The pouring out of the Holy Spirit has continued from that day to the day in which we live as well. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is still available for us today. A power to be a witness. A power to walk in victory, a power to experience God, a power to know God the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, the Holy Spirit was involved in your life even from the very beginning. When you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've received Him this morning, if you're online in, one of the, in the online church, if you a born-again believer this morning, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is what convicted you and brought you to realizing that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that grows us in our maturity, helps us to be what God wants us to be when He says, Be ye holy as I am holy. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that strengthens us, that helps us to walk in victory, to be plugged into that power. And that power, that Holy Spirit power, is here for us today, to be fruitful and to do the work of God. My challenge to us, Celebration Church, each one of you, those of you online, at the other campuses, at Sanger this morning, my challenge to each one of us is that we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be baptized with the Spirit. And allow the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to work through us and in us to impact and touch the world that we are a part of. This is a celebration. In fact, this is the birthday of the church. On that day 2,000 years ago, on that Pentecost Day, 3,000 converts that established the church and that harvest has continued in the lives of people and lives are being brought into the kingdom of God. It's an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing. Amen? Now, yes, amen. <clears throat> That's message number one. Now message number two. All right? A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my office, and uh, I had a phone call, and uh, it was a member of the church here, someone called me, a man called me, and he just uh, wanted to speak to me for a few minutes, and so I had to, you know, turn off the Angry Bird game that I was playing on my computer, and uh, answer the phone, and uh, actually I wasn't playing the game, but uh, answer the phone, and I said, sure, you know, what, how, what, can I, what can I do for you? And he said, well, you know, Pastor Latham, he said, I'm, I'm just calling just to get your perspective, just to get your thoughts on something. You know, I, in my business, 
I have tried to do everything right. I've tried to do everything the right way. I've tried to cross the T's, dot the I's. I've tried to walk in integrity. I've tried to make sure that everything is, is, is correctly done. I've done everything I can. And you know, I'm, I mean, things are going well. He said, but you know, I seem like I get to a certain spot and a certain place. And right before the contract gets signed or the, 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 the final step, things just suddenly fall, fall apart. And it doesn't happen. And he said, you know, first I want you to pray with me. And I'm wanting you to, you know, if, if, if there's anything God is saying to you or wants to help me or direct me in, you know, I, I, I want to hear. I want to hear from God. He said, but, I, you know, I, it just seems that everything, it just, I just can't seem to break through. Just things don't seem to work out. So I said, sure, I'll pray with you. I'll pray real quick because I've got to get back to my Angry Birds game. But I'll pray with you. And anyway, we prayed on the phone. And while we were praying, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, to share with him, I just began to hear these words, and I shared this with him, and it simply was this. You just need to take your stand. Stand firm. And I shared that with him. Just need to take your stand. Stand firm. When things come our way, when challenges come our way, when we try and cross every T, dot every I, and do the right thing, sometimes the best thing we need to do at that point is stand. Stand firm. And what came to my mind immediately was that passage of Scripture out of Ephesians chapter 6 that I'm going to read for us here in a moment, and that my message is going to be built on today. It's that passage of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, where Paul is instructing the Ephesian church the Ephesian people to do the very same thing, just to stand, stand. So let's have a look at this verse this morning, all right? Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, because it's not yours, it's His. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, it's against authorities, it's against the powers in this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we need to take our stand. How many of you know that there are some devil schemes out there? I remember as a kid, Probably back in Sunday school days at a young time learning a little song that went like this. The devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box. Lock that box and throw away the key for all the dirty tricks he's played on me. Glad I got converted. Glad I got converted. Glad I got converted by trusting in the Lord. You see, the devil is a sly old fox. And he has some devil schemes out there. There are the rulers, there are the authorities, there are the powers in this dark world. That these are the, there are these spiritual forces of evil that will come against us. And how are we to stand? What are we to do? How are we to face those things? Look at verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Second time the armor of God has been mentioned. Alright? So that when the day of evil comes, when it comes, it's going to come you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. Kind of getting a theme a little bit here. 
Kind of hearing a word coming out quite regularly there in this passage of scripture. The very next verse, 14. Stand firm then. Stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With a breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Church, family, take your stand. Stand your ground. Do everything. Stand. Stand firm. We're being instructed through God's word this morning. That when the enemy comes, when the, the schemes of the devil come, when the rulers, when things come, the spiritual forces come against you, we simply stand. We need to stand. There is a war on. As believers, we do have an enemy. We are in a battle. Now the good news is that Satan has been defeated. Jesus did defeat him. The word of God says that when he went to the cross... And he rose again on the third day. It says that he made a public spectacle of, of the enemy, of Satan. Public spectacle. That's something exciting. But the fact is that, yes, he has been defeated, but we are needing to stand our ground when the enemy comes against us and be strong. So the question I want to ask us this morning, the question I want to ask you this morning, the question I want to ask me this morning, the question I'm asking you folk that are watching us online this morning, is what do you need? What do you need to be able to take the stand? Ephesians 6 helps us out. It talks about the armor of God that we need to put on. We need to put it on. We need to take it up. We need to do it. We need to obey because I need to clothe myself in the armor of God. I need to stand. If I'm going to stand, I need to have that armor on. Let's take a few moments this morning to look at a few pieces of this armor. All right? Let's start with the belt of truth. It says the belt of truth buckled around my waist. That belt. You know, the best defense against lies and error and things that come against me is the truth. And there are two actions I can take when it comes to truth. That very simply, I need to hear the truth, or I need to listen to the truth, and then I need to speak the truth. If I'm going to buckle myself with this buckle of truth, this belt, this belt of truth, I need to hear the truth, and I need to speak the truth. In Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 20, it tells us a little bit about hearing the truth. This is the parable Jesus was telling, and he's telling about how the sower went and sowed seeds, and right at the end of the parable, verse 20, he explains it and he says this. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, hear the truth, accept it, and it produces a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or under a bed? No, instead you put it up on the stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Look at verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear. Instruction to us this morning. 
We need to consider carefully, are we hearing the truth? Are we listening to the truth? Or are we continually hearing and listening to error, to sin, to the voices from outside, to things, and even sometimes from the inside? He said, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Hear, listen, accept, and it produces fruit. You see, what we listen to will bear fruit. If we're listening to lies and error, or we listen to the truth, it's going to bear fruit. That's why in verse 24, we are challenged to consider carefully. Take care to what we're listening to. Every action we take is a result of what we're listening to. So if I'm going to take a stand, I need to have that belt of truth buckled around my waist. I need to be ready to listen to the truth and make sure what I'm hearing is is this truth, and I need to speak that truth. Look at Matthew 12, speaking the truth. Verse 34, it says, you brood of vipers, I'm not telling that to you now, right? I, I can see some of you getting a little upset at me. I'm not calling you a viper, I'm just reading the scripture this morning. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We need to speak the truth. Our heart needs to be full of the truth so we can speak the truth. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in it in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone who will will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Verse 37, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. We need to speak the truth, belt of truth around our way, speaking the truth. Now you may say, Pastor Lathan, nobody really cares what I say. You know, when I speak, nobody really listens. Nobody, does people really care what I say, what I speak? God does. God cares about what you say. And if you're going to stand against the schemes of the enemy and the devil, you need to have that belt of truth buckled around your waist. What about the breastplate of righteousness? A breastplate in place that guards the heart. And I think you would agree with me that the heart is a vital organ to the body, isn't it? There wouldn't be very few of us sitting here this morning if that heart inside your body was missing. You wouldn't be sitting here this morning. And the breastplate of righteousness, the heart of righteousness, that breastplate protecting our heart, it's vital to the spiritual body. That of righteousness that is initially given to us through the gift of salvation and we receive Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior. The Word of God says that He gives us righteousness. His righteousness, it begins there. In Romans 10, 9 through verse 9, it says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing your, with your mouth that you are saved, that you are made righteous before God. So the righteousness is initially a gift that is given to us at the time of salvation, that we become righteous before God. Salvation begins with that gift. But there's a righteousness that is expressed through our daily lives. This breastplate of righteousness in place, guarding our hearts, that out of our hearts comes the life of righteousness. Look at Psalm 15, verse 1 and 2. May Who may worship? The question is being asked by the psalmist. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. 
doing what is right. Righteous. Simply what righteousness is. Doing the right thing. Doing what is right. An expression in our daily lives. Not just a reaction to life, but a choice in choosing righteousness and allowing the righteousness of God to walk out and to be expressed from our lives. The breastplate of righteousness. If I'm going to stand, when the schemes of the enemy come against me, I need that breastplate of righteousness guarding my heart. The third part of the armor, feet fitted with the gospel of peace. How many of you find it so uncomfortable when you're wearing shoes that are uncomfortable, obviously? You know, I don't know about you, you get a pair of shoes and you try them on and they're too small and you have to squeeze your foot into them. Or maybe you buy a pair of shoes that's way too big and that's uncomfortable. I remember not that long ago buying a new pair of shoes and within 30 minutes I had these blisters on them on my heels and it was painful. Painful to walk around in. I know some of you ladies, God bless your hearts, walk around in some of these shoes that I pray every time I see you go by, Lord, just help them that they don't fall because that means I've got to try and pick them up. We'll have to call 911. Who knows what might happen. I don't know how comfortable that can be. Shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. We need to be comfortable with the gospel. The peace of God. We need to be comfortable with that peace. We need to know what that gospel is. We need to experience the, the good news of the gospel and be comfortable with it. The good news of what Jesus did when he took our sin upon him and paid the price for our sin. That brings peace. And being comfortable with that. You know, wearing the correct shoes makes all the difference to stability and the ability to stand. I am totally convinced that this past season, if Donald Driver wore his cleats that he normally wears on a Saturday playing football, when he was dancing with the stars, he would have lost. No matter how... He looks just like me, actually. Needing to stand the shoes, the rights, being comfortable with the gospel. Shoes fitted. If I'm going to stand, I need to have the right shoes. And so that I can stand and be stable in my ability to stand. The gospel, new creations, forgiveness. You see the enemy, those desires, those evil desires will come and say, well, you're just playing games. You really think you're forgiven? That sin you committed, do you honestly think you've been forgiven of that sin? Who are you kidding? We need to know the gospel of peace, our feet fitted so we can stand. And I'm running out of time. The shield of faith. A faith that enables us to lift up that faith, that shield, to quench, to stop the fiery arrows of the evil one. Romans 1.17, it says this, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Romans 12, verse 3, For by the grace given me I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. If we're going to stand against the things that the enemy brings to us, if we're going to stand against these powers and principalities and the spiritual forces, we're going to stand, we need a shield of faith that we can lift up. We need that shield. Faith that, of, that shield of faith to lift up that can quench the arrows of temptation. Temptation is sin. Lust, fear, hatred, jealousy, list them. But we need a shield of faith 
that we can lift up. We need that piece of armor. Maybe it's the arrows of discouragement. Does God really love you? Do you really think he loves you? Be able to know God's word and say, I'm lifting my shield of faith. I know in who I believe. The word of God and the faith that comes from that God's word. The helmet of salvation. Placing that helmet in place to guard our thoughts and our minds. That we may have the mind of Christ. That we may speak the mind of Christ. That we may, our minds may be filled with God's thought. Thoughts. I'm not a multitasker. I have a hard time keeping one thought in my mind at one time. All right? But even if you're a phenomenal multitasker and all those thoughts are going around in your mind, you need to be filled with the thoughts of God so that there leaves no room for ungodly thoughts. Things that are just, things that are true, things that are, there's a whole list of them that we could go through. Being a part of that, the armor of God. The last one, the sword of the Spirit. If I'm going to take my stand, if I'm going to take my stand against the enemy, I need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Church, family, get God's Word into your heart. Get it. Get it done. Get God's Word in ya. <laughs> Can I say it in Wisconsin? The thing is, no excuses. Or maybe I could say it in Afrikaans. Die woord van God in jou hart. However we want to say it. We need God's Word in us. We need the Word, the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. If we're going to stand against the things that come our way. So in closing, my challenge to you, my challenge to me, my challenge to you folk that are watching us online this morning. Take your stand. Stand your ground. Stand firm. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand. So when things don't seem to go the way you plan them, when things don't seem to add up, when you've tried to do everything you can, when you've tried everything you can, as the scripture says, stand firm. Stand firm and see the salvation of your God. Now in closing, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. And would you do me a favor this morning as I prepare to pray? Would you simply stand with me? Would you stand? An indication this morning that I'm going to take my stand... I realize that there is a battle. I realize that the enemy comes against me. I realize that I'm in, in this battle, but I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to guard my head with the helmet of salvation. Salvation, my thoughts are going to be protected by what God did for me, what Jesus did for me when he died on that cross, and I walked into and experienced salvation. I'm not going to allow the enemy and the lies of Satan to continually trip me up and cause me to stumble and fall. And I'm going to go at my, put that belt of truth on. I'm going to hear the truth. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to have my heart, my heart protected by the breastplate of righteousness. That righteousness that comes from within. That I've been gifted with and I can continue to walk in and do the right thing. That I can have that shield of faith that I'm going to allow my faith to grow. My faith to be the faith that will quench the darts and the arrows of the enemy. Because they will come. But we have a shield of faith that we can lift up. And my feet are going to be fitted 
with comfortable shoes. That if I have to stand and maybe stand and stand and stand and stand, I'm still going to stand. I'm still going to stand. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we are very well aware of the fact, Lord, that there is an enemy. We realize that there are evil schemes and devices that come against us. And Lord, we do. We want to put everything in place and have everything right. And we want to cross our T's, dot our I's. But God, we know that there comes a time that we need to just clothe ourselves with that armor. Put it on. We want to put that helmet of salvation on. We want to have the belt of truth around our waist. Righteousness in our hearts. A faith that is a shield that will protect no matter what comes our way. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. And Lord, we know that we will be able to take our stand. For some this morning, Lord, someone right here at the Eastside campus, some that are watching us online, they're taking a stand this morning that will see and experience and know the salvation of the God that they serve. And we thank you for that. We pray it in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.